lead her every day, living for messy action. This is the Lifestyle Leadership Podcast for women who want to be the best version of themselves while making an impact. And who are willing to take messy and perfect action to get there. I'm Jordan. And I'm Dr. Tay. And we are here to guide and empower you to lead yourself every day. Let's dive into today's episode. All right, y'all, we are back for another episode. And today we are so excited to have another guest on. So I'm going to let Jordan introduce her because they actually know each other in real life. Oh my gosh. So we have the honor of having Holly Haynes on our podcast. Holly is currently Miss Georgia USA for 2022 and is competing in Miss USA in the fall. And she and I just knew each other growing up. And it's been so cool to kind of watch her story unfold on social media. Holly is really passionate about working with the youth and helping just not even just youth, but people in general that she speaks to balance, you know, confidence and social media and mental health in addition to, you know, overall wellness. And the conversation is just really great. So we're excited for y'all to hear from her. Her platform is hashtag I am enough. So Regardless, like you might think like, okay, how much are we going to talk about pageants? And we asked some fun inside questions about pageants, but I think at the core, this episode is about understanding who you are and your self-worth and knowing that you are enough. And I loved hearing about her platform. So keep listening. She shares some good nuggets for sure. Just as a reminder, anything shared on our episodes are not clinical advice. Please talk to a qualified mental health professional if you are needing more support. All right, everybody. Well, today we have Holly Haynes on with us. We are so excited for you guys to meet her, hear a little bit about Holly and her platform. Um, So would you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners, Holly? Yes. My name is Holly Haynes. I'm Miss Georgia USA 2022, and I'm an Atlanta native, which I feel like it gets rarer and rarer to be an Atlanta native. Um, But I grew up half my life in Kennesaw, Georgia, and then Sugar Hill, Georgia for middle school and high school. And I went to the University of Georgia and have lived here my entire life. So yeah, I'm as Georgia as they come. (laughs) As Georgia as they come. I love it. (laughs) A true peach. It's true. (laughs) Um, so you were crowned Miss Georgia 2022 and now you're competing in Miss USA. Is that right? Yes. Oh Amazing, God. by the way. Yeah, like, I'm so excited. <laughs> it's yeah. coming up really fast. Yeah. So what's that in October, isn't it? Yes. The final night is October 3rd, which is a Monday. And then I fly out to Reno, Nevada on Saturday, September 24th. And then from there, it's just events and preliminary competitions. The Miss Teen USA pageants happening at the same time and place. So we'll have events for that. Um, There's a state costume show. So every single girl creates a costume that represents their state. Um, I'm not going to tell you all what it is yet because it's a surprise, but um, I'm super excited about that part. Yeah. So you have been on the journey with pageants for quite a while. How young were you when you first started that? I was Miss North at high school. So that was my first kind of dive into the pageant world. But as far as competing for a big organization, I didn't start until I was 19. I was a sophomore in college at UGA and I participated in this philanthropy event for a fraternity called Miss Sorority Row. And no one in my sorority had a pageant 
experience at all. So um, I'm a singer. And so I was like, okay, I'll do it because I can do the talent portion. And I ended up being first runner up. And the current Miss Georgia and Miss UGA at the time were two of the judges. And so they came up to me afterwards and encouraged me to compete in Miss UGA. And it took some convincing, but I eventually competed, didn't make the top five my first year. Um, I decided to compete the next year as well. Found out I was super sick the week before I had mono. Um, yeah, so that was not fun. I decided to compete anyway, didn't make the top five again. So I eventually won my third year competing for Miss UGA, but, um, all of that was within the Miss America organization. So it's really confusing. There's Miss USA and Miss America. Miss America has the talent portion that you actually do on stage and it's scholarship based and Miss America, it stops there for Miss USA. There is not a talent component. Um, and whoever wins Miss USA goes to Miss Universe. So those are the main differences. But I came close to winning Miss Georgia America. I ended up being second runner up this past summer and aged out. So I was like, okay, if I don't win Miss Georgia, I'll try the USA system one time just to see how it goes. And I'm glad that I did. But that's just kind of a brief yeah. synopsis of my pageant journey. Wow. So it's interesting that you said you didn't make the top five the first two times, but you kept going. Could you tell us a little bit about what that looked like for you and why you felt sometimes it's so easy? Like we're like, oh, it's just not for me. Cause I'm, I didn't win. You know, it's so easy right. to have that mindset and you kind of overcame that. Yeah. It <laughs> it's funny because I thought, oh, I won Miss Northwood at high school. I can do Miss UGA. Totally different. Um, and I remember after the pageant, when I didn't make the top five, I was really confused and hurt looking back on it. I mean, my interview was awful. Everything was just not good, but my dad, I remember he told me after the pageant, he said, you can, you have two options. You can either give up and never try this again, or you can work really hard and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. And I think that my support system is a huge reason why I kept going and why I was able to keep going and to have the success that I have, um, as well as just having that internal reflection and realizing what I needed to improve on. I think a lot of the times people um, confuse that with being critical of yourself. There's a, there's a fine line, but I do think that we have to reflect on our strengths, our weaknesses, and, and really be open to constructive criticism from people that we trust. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I've learned, especially competing through pageantry. And I feel like that has what's helped me get to where I am. Yeah. So I love that. And we love talking a lot about mindset on this podcast. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, like what, and I know we're kind of going off a little bit, yeah. like questions ahead of time and we're throwing them at you, but That's all I'm, good. <laughs> okay. I'm curious for you, like what mindsets or thoughts have you found really serve you? And also have there been times where maybe you're like, okay, this mindset isn't serving me. You know, I need to change things up. Oh my gosh. I tell people all the time that pageantry is honestly, it's like a 75% mental game. It's like mm -hmm. a sport. I compare it to sports all the time because you are competing against other people and it's an individual sport, obviously. So with any sport, you have to be confident in your own abilities, but also not compare yourself to other people. And that's good training just for life in general, because no matter what environment you're in, whether it's your, your work, uh, your workplace, maybe relationships, whatever it may be, there's that tendency to want to compare yourself to other people. But I've found that my mindset 
that works for me is just focusing on myself and staying in my own lane. So how do you practically do that <laughs> at Miss Georgia USA? I did not watch a single other girl go do their walks during rehearsal. I didn't know what anyone else wore. Um, when we were backstage, there was a monitor back there where you can watch whoever's competing on stage before you, but I didn't watch that at all. I had some girls ask me, they're like, how did I do? And I was like, I'm sure you did great. I, I didn't see it. I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, when people asked me afterwards, what was different about me compared to other girls, because you can visibly see that, Mm -hmm. um, on stage, you can see people having a different energy and it was just me having affirmations in my mind and literally not watching anyone else. Um, so for me, that's worked. I know for other girls, they just kind of get in a zone and listen to music or podcasts, or they pray or whatever they have to do to kind of get into that mental state where it's just focusing on themselves, even meditation, like yoga before I've heard works. But for me, it's just repeating those, those mental affirmations and not looking at anything else. (laughs) Yeah, that's That's so good. We actually did a Q and a that just aired this week. And one of the questions that we had come in was, um, this woman was a young leader, rising leader in her, her corporate career. And, you know, how do I overcome imposter syndrome? I think that age is like a huge imposter syndrome, but it, it can happen with all different things. Right. And one of the things that we said was like, you can't focus on the mindset at just at the game. Like it's not just like when you flip the coin and the get, or when the pageant kicks off, like your mindset can't start then like that has to be a trickle of, you know, mindset and habits really that are just who you are. So that when you get to that point, you know, okay, these are my boundaries. This is, this is what I cling to. Like, these are the habits. So I think that's awesome that you've been able to not only figure out what, you know, mindset and habits work for you, but, um, how do you kind of pull those through during the day to day when it's not competing time? Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned the imposter syndrome, um, aspect of it, because I feel like every single state title holder has had to deal with that myself included. And it's not just at the beginning of your year, it's kind of throughout because you meet a lot of different people. You, have a lot of opinions thrown your way and you have to be able to, one of my coaches says, he says, eat the fish, spit out the bones, which I think is a great metaphor, right? So it kind of goes back to that constructive criticism. You know, don't, don't feel like people are attacking you. Obviously some people might be, people do honestly, like you get mean comments and stuff like that. But for me, I'm a very um, spiritual person. So for me, I believe that I am in the place that I am meant to be at this moment. And so Mm -hmm. I remind myself of that every day. So when I have those moments where I don't feel like I'm enough, which is my platform, or if I'm feeling insecure one day, or just, I have low energy. I remember that I only have this position for a finite amount of time. And I was selected for this position for a reason. And so I think the imposter syndrome kind of comes from the attacks that we have on ourselves but also um, just the insecurities that maybe are bubbling to the surface. So I think realizing that you're not alone in that. And then again, to rely on your community, because when you speak things out loud, they lose their power. I'm a firm Mm -hmm. believer in that. So I think having that, that core group that you trust and you can open up to is super important. That's so good. When you speak things out loud, they lose their power. I love that. I've never heard that before. Yeah. 
It's beautiful. And yeah, thinking from like a mindset perspective and why, you know, it loses its power is because you're actually facing whatever that feared situation is. And Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of boldness and courageousness to be able to actually speak those things out loud, um, Mm -hmm. and face them. And I absolutely love that. And, you know, it also sounds like you have an amazing community around you too, that when you're sharing these things, they're also helping to lift you up. Oh yeah, I definitely do. Um, yeah, I'm very blessed in that way. And if you don't have that community, find it. Mm -hmm. There are people who care and who want to help you and, no, no successful person that you see or someone who's made it far in an organization started off that way. It's a continual journey and something that they have to work at every single day. I think that that's something that people can fall into as well. I think that they look at maybe me or another state title holder or a CEO of an organization and they think, oh, well, they've never had to go through anything hard. They've always been that confident. They've always been that successful. And that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, it's perseverance and having grit and also working harder than you ever have at something mm-hmm. and knowing what you have to do to achieve it. And, and even if you don't being okay with the work that you put in, even if you don't necessarily reach that end goal. Yeah. We talk a lot about joy in the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that speaks to that perfectly. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the, um, telling yourself that you are enough. And I know that you have the, I am enough program. So we'd love if you told us a little bit about that what it looks like for you, how you came up with it, why it's important, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, Jordan, you knew me way back when, when I was in middle school, um, I was in sixth grade, I think when you knew me, but my family had to move across Metro Atlanta for my dad's job. And so that was right before seventh grade. And <laughs> my older brother and I, I have three other siblings, but my older brother and I were really protesting because our whole lives were in Kennesaw, all of our sports, our friends, Um, The places that we knew, the places that we went, where we thought we were going to go to high school was there. Um, And so we were protesting when we moved and there were some kids that bullied me when I was there. And so being the new girl and then being super awkward and gangly, I was 75 pounds in seventh grade. I was tiny. So people made fun of me and said that I had an eating disorder Mm -hmm. when I didn't. And so I would go home and eat a whole box of Cheez-Its and drink Dr. Pepper trying to gain weight. Um, and so I didn't really have many friends when I moved and one girl actually threatened to hurt me at school. So it was just a really tumultuous time. Um, and I did not feel secure in myself at all and really struggled with self-esteem and confidence and mental health issues as well. And then going into high school, um, I feel like I matured a lot, but also I had those close friendships and also found my faith in high school. And so all of those things helped me to be more secure in who I was. So going into college, I wanted to give back to the younger generation. So I became a young life leader in, um, in Athens at a school called Athens Academy. And I worked with middle school girls and boys. And I noticed that they were dealing with the same problems, but it was even more exacerbated because of social media. Mm -hmm. That was not a factor when I was growing up. I didn't have an Instagram until I was a junior in high school. And so they're dealing with those comparisons and pressures from the girl sitting next to them in class instead of just a model on a magazine cover. And so seeing that and being a friend to them for four or five years, um, I really wanted to create something that I could use as a pageant title holder, but also beyond that. And so I created my hashtag, I'm enough program book 
to teach America's youth that they are enough, unfiltered, unedited, perfectly imperfect. So it has three different pillars and activities that go along with it. So the first pillar is to be confident in what makes you unique. The second is to learn social media etiquette and also cyber safety. That's another component. And then the third is to live a well-balanced life. So to have a holistic view of your health, not just physical, but also your mental, spiritual, and emotional health. Um, and so that's what I promote as Miss George USA. I've been able to go to various schools, um, speaking to different organizations like the Nichols Center, which I've partnered with. They help people in the Douglasville community who are um, overcoming addictions and mental health issues, and they're eventually going to spread across the country and the world. So I'm happy to partner with them in that. And I've been able to do that because I've been Miss George USA. Um, and then hopefully at Miss USA, I get to talk about that on stage we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of it. And it's something that I feel is something tangible that children can hold on to long after I visit their school or organization. And, and that's kind of what I view pageantry as and having this title, it's leaving a lasting impression that's so much bigger than just yourself. I love that. Yeah. So good. So I love this idea too, you know, of, really working with today's youth. Mm -hmm. There's so many pressures and all of that. So we do have a lot of parents that listen to our podcast. So what would you share with parents about how they can promote some of this identity of being enough in their children and For actually sure. in themselves too, if you yeah. want to <laughs> Oh my gosh. And I'm so glad you said that too, because you have to have a full cup before you can overflow into someone else. But I think the biggest thing is to truly listen to your children. Mm -hmm. um, I think one, one major problem that I noticed with the girls that I mentored was that they came from very affluent homes. It was a private school, but a lot of their parents were very absent, either physically or just emotionally. They did not want to deal with that because of whatever stress they were dealing with at work or in their personal lives. And so their children would share things with me that their parents had no idea about and, and very serious things like depression, suicidal attempts, eating disorders, things like that, that their parents need to know. Um, so I think really not just being there physically, but really being there mm -hmm. in the present moment and listening to your children um, and understanding that they're being exposed to very serious topics way earlier in their life than, than you have. Um, and social media, your kids know way more about social media than you do. I'm just going to say it. They know more about it than me. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. So you need to have parameters around that and not being super, um, super strict on it. I'm an affiliate of bark technologies, which is a really easy and, um, affordable app that you can put onto your kids, social media. It just gives you red flags. If there are things happening on your kids, social media, instead of you monitoring every single thing, it still gives them privacy and freedom, but it also helps you know if anything more serious is going on. So um, highly recommend Bark if you're looking for a good tool to put on your kids' social media. But I would just say, yeah, the biggest things are to actually be there for your children and to listen to them. And then to also be realistic about the dangers that are on social media. Oh, I love that. And actually, we'll get a link from you and put that in the yes. show notes. Um, yeah. I think that's an amazing, amazing resource. Mm -hmm. and yeah, I'm a child psychologist. And one of the <laughs> things that I talk with parents, I don't work with teens as much now, but even like preteens or elementary mm -hmm. age kids, it's like 
there's this balance of like you're saying, providing parameters, but you also can't mm-hmm. swing so like overcorrective where you're trying to shelter them from it. Right. The reality is they're still exposed mm-hmm. and we can't protect them fully from social media. And so these open conversations is something I talk about with parents all the time that you would rather know what they're doing than them trying to hide it. And if they feel like it's off limits completely, or they're going to get in trouble for it, they're not going to come to you and have those difficult conversations. Another thing that we've talked about too. So if you're a parent listening to this of young children and you maybe think, well, my children are four, you know, they're not old enough to have social media. Well, if they don't know that you're there for the small things, they're not going to know that you're there for the big thing. So I think a lot of times, like I just reflect on like, not just like my parents and the way that I was raised, but just that generation of parenting. Taylor and I have talked a lot about the funny example of like the blue cup, like There are times where I will give my child the wrong color bowl or cup. And you would literally think that I just, you know, broke all the crayons in his crayon box and he's so upset, but it's like, genuinely those things matter so much to them in that moment. And that will trickle over. And so I think that just like having that mentality all throughout and not like, I'll be there when the things are bigger, like just remembering that everything is big, you know, to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they don't have anything to really compare it to. They don't have whatever lived experiences that they've had so far, which is not much. (laughs) Exactly. Before we kind of shift gears, anything else about this platform that you want to share? Because I know it's like, what you've invested your heart into, and we also love it ourselves. So anything else that comes to mind that you didn't get a chance to share about it? Sure. I mean, I've worked really hard to make sure my message is applicable, not just for um, young kids, but for teenagers and even kids going into college. So um, even if, you know, you have an age group you have in mind, maybe work with an organization where you don't think that they would benefit from having a program book. I also just go and speak to kids and I have a PowerPoint presentation. Um, and I just think that having a mentor and a role model in the community, who's closer in age to whatever age group you're thinking of is, is really impactful. At least that's what I've noticed because I think we all know that teenagers, especially they don't want to listen to what their parents have to say. I didn't when I was a teenager. (laughs) So having someone who is closer in age to you, telling you things that your parents would tell them, it sticks a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's the last thing I want to say is it's not just for young kids, but I've worked really hard to make sure it's applicable for all age groups. Right? I think that we grew up at such a crazy time where it like, mm-hmm. we only got it. Like you said, at, we only really got social media and into it after that really critical developmental period. And I consistently, my husband and I talk about like, I cannot imagine what it's going to be like in two years when yeah. we have to start having those conversations with our six-year-old, like about social yeah. media and all of that. It's a whole new world. It is. It, it really is so fast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. To keep up. Okay. So this is kind of like a more lighthearted, fun question. Is there a common myth about pageants and pageantry that you would like to debunk for the audience? Yes. I've heard so many of them, y'all. It's crazy. <laughs> but I think the biggest one is that I get asked is, oh my gosh, are the girls really mean? backstage. I'm like, no, we're all really good friends. Actually. We, yeah. we root for each other and I have lifelong friends and even bright future bridesmaids that I've met through pageantry. Um, and that's, you know, there are always a few bad apples in any group of people that you have, especially when it's in a competitive environment. 
But again, I think that competing in anything teaches you how to deal with multiple different personalities and how to deal with those high pressure situations that you can apply to your career and really anything after that. What about doing pageants? Do you really love and find fun? Oh my word. I have loved competing in pageants. So this is my last two raw. Um, if I win Miss USA, I'll go to Miss universe, but if not, it's my last two raw, but I love performing. I've always been big on that. I love to sing. I love to act. I love to just be in front of people. And growing up, I was a big chorus nerd. And one of the biggest struggles for me when going into pageantry was performing individually. And that was a huge growth curve for me as well, um, was learning how to perform solo and being really confident in my own skin and being on a stage in front of thousands of people who are watching me. Um, and so now it just really, it doesn't make me nervous. It gives me life. And I hope to continue to perform long after my pageant journey is over. As we're closing out here, you talked about how you've gone through this journey of middle school and high school. Like sometimes when we look back on it, we think, oh, those were small years, but they're really so critical and impactful in Mm -hmm. who you are. And after struggling with, you know, bullying and insecurities, you are now standing on a stage, like probably doing what your biggest fear back then would have been. So for anyone listening that is struggling with not feeling enough and failure or mental health and, you know, depression, all of the things that we've kind of covered here, what would your words of wisdom be to them? I would say, look at the most successful people in the world at whatever their chosen sport career, whatever it may be. And look at how many times they failed. Mm -hmm. Tiger Woods has probably had more bad shots than any other golfer in history, but he's the best golfer in history, but he had to be comfortable with failing. And that's the thing. I think that people feel like they have to be perfect all the time, but truly people aren't attracted to perfection. They're attracted to authenticity And the most successful people in the world are the ones that failed a million times until they succeeded that one time. Mm -hmm. And so really you just have to keep going. And I know that that sounds cliche, but you really do. Um, I got told no at Miss Georgia America five different times. I got told no at Miss UGA twice, Miss Cobb County twice. And I won all of those except for Miss Georgia America, but then won Miss Georgia USA. So I kept going, even though I was told no, but you just need that one yes to achieve your dreams and to really, um, you know, launch whatever you want to launch. And now I'm on a podcast talking about hashtag I'm enough, which is something I've worked on for years. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really is a dream come true. And you just have to be comfortable with failing. This might be a little bit of a tough question, but I think there can be this perception with pageantry that it is about perfection. So how do you personally balance then the perfection versus the authenticity? It's been good being on the other side of things. So being a judge for pageants and when you interview people, you can kind of tell who is trying to, to fit into the box that they think that the judges want to have, but that's just not what judges or people in general are looking for. The judges are looking for someone who's going to be relatable to a lot of different people, Um, So I remember that as a personal experience, but then also I have been able to really self-reflect and figure out who I am at my core. And so I can go into that interview room. I can go on stage and just be hundred percent Holly. And if those five people sitting there don't like it, then it's fine. I'm still me. And I have all of these things going for me and that's okay. Um, If, you know, a very subjective 
panel doesn't like who they see in front of them for whatever reason. Um, but I think that that also is just another great life lesson that I've learned through pageantry. Not everyone is going to be your biggest fan and that's okay. You just have to be comfortable with who you are and be confident about what you're portraying on stage. And girls talk about this all the time, but if you're trying to be somebody else on stage and if you win, you may not feel hundred percent confident about that because you weren't hundred percent yourself. Um, so it's better to just be who you are and then potentially lose. And you still feel confident about what you put forward than to go and try to be somebody else and potentially win and be faking it the whole time. Wow. That's such a good point. And what I think I'm hearing in this is you are practicing yourself, the hashtag I am enough that whatever the judges ultimately say that doesn't shift who you are as a person, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, you know, your identity is internal and not external. And I just got to share. I mean, I think some of it is we can get the vibes over video, but in case people really on the podcast, don't see this, like I feel just this level of authenticity chatting with you right now oh, and thanks. going in, I wasn't sure, you know, Jordan knew mm-hmm. I didn't. And I was like, what is this going to be like? And so <laughs> I, I, I totally like sense that, but I was just curious on your perspective on all of thank that. you. Well, I, thank you so much. I'm so glad to hear that because I really hope to be that. Um, and I hope to kind of change. I know a lot of people have preconceived notions about pageantry and girls who compete in pageants in general. But, um, I tell people all the time, like I was not a pageant girl growing up and it is not a dirty word saying pageant. Um, so I love it. It's, it's really helped me to achieve things. I never thought I'd be able to achieve and it's open doors that would not have been opened if I had not competed. So, and the word that keeps coming to mind for me is impact. It's like, you're, you're Mm -hmm. able to have such a high level of impact in that year or, you know, the term after winning. And there are so many young women looking to you and, and you wouldn't, you may not have had that great of an impact before. So while on the outside, it may be dresses and makeup and hair, like it, it really is so much more. And I, and I actually have seen that through following you and, um, all of the things that you've done. So it's, it's really exciting and I'm proud of you. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I, I love that about pageants. It's like, you don't have to pick just one thing. You don't have to be just smart or just beautiful or just funny or whatever adjective you want to have. You can be all of those things because it's about you in general. So you can, it shows that women can be multifaceted. And that's what I love about competing in the Miss USA organization, especially. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. And we love talking about that. I mean, a lot of what you're sharing is it's funny. Like there's themes of this in previous episodes about being multidimensional, multifaceted. Um, and I just think it's so, so awesome. So you're in the spotlight. So what, what do you do on those days? Like you don't want to show up or that you're really struggling because you're human. So you right. have those days. Oh yes. I, I definitely have those days. I think I've gotten a little bit more used to the pressure now. Cause I'm a few, I'm a few months in, um, but the social media component is huge. So there are accounts all over the world that will tag you in rankings and they all have opinions about you. And so you just have to turn it off sometimes. And that's what I do. I just, if I have to post, um, for a sponsor or an appearance or something like that, I will post it and then get off. And then maybe I'll look at it the next day to respond to comments or something. But I do think that it's important to 
to really take that time that you need to do whatever you have to do. For me, I love to read. So I just kind of get into my little reading zone um, or go work out because that releases endorphins. It makes you feel better just in general. Um, so those are two things that I do just to kind of get away from all the craziness. <laughs> People can be so crazy online. That's <laughs> oh, yeah. I know they tell I, you. So you see it. Yeah. No. I know. I never knew that was a thing. Like, I mean, it makes mm-hmm. sense. There's always rankings for everything, but it's like, and you talked about backstage. You're like, I'm not watching. I'm staying in my zone. It's really hard when you're yeah. tagging something on social yes. media. It is. And I just remind myself too, that a lot of the people that are doing that are not even from the U S they don't know any of us at all. They're just going based off of photos that they see online. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that they do that is because whoever wins Miss USA goes to Miss Universe. So they're kind of keeping up with all of that because they're going to compete against their country's girls. So it's interesting. <laughs> okay. So to close out, where can our listeners find you and root for you, especially with everything coming up with Miss USA? Yes. My social media for Facebook, it's at Miss Georgia USA. Instagram, it's at Miss G-A-U-S-A. And then my personal is at Holly Jane Haynes. So those are the two places I'm probably the most active on social media. We also have a website called MissGeorgeUSA.com. So you can either request an appearance there or by emailing me at MissGAUSA2022 at gmail.com. And then as far as Miss USA, you can watch that on October 3rd, live streamed on FYI and Hulu Plus, I think is the name of the streaming for Hulu. (laughs) Yeah. I've never known anyone. So it will be really fun to watch and be like, oh, there she is. (laughs) I know I'm like, I hope I make it into the top 16. So I'm actually on TV. We'll okay. see, but yeah. <laughs> good luck either way. We're, we are cheering for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Holly, for coming on. Um, and we will link everything in the show notes for everybody. Um, we hope that y'all enjoyed this episode and go give Holly a follow and keep up with her and her upcoming adventures. Yay. Thank y'all so much. So we hope you enjoyed today's episode that you found the power in her platform, hashtag I am enough, and that you can take some of her tips and the way that she's showing up and apply them to your life. Because yes, we were talking about pageants and she even shared how much this has, you know, helped her to evolve as a person. And there were just so many things that I'm like sitting there Y'all can't see the video, but I was enthusiastically nodding my head yes. We are almost done with this episode, but we want to leave you with tangible steps to apply this. We are all about taking messy action, and we would encourage you to embrace that with us. So on this week's messy action takeaway, we encourage y'all to sit down and actually physically write down one to three unique things about you that you can be uniquely confident in. I think oftentimes we think, well, when I'm different, you know, it it makes me an outlier or an outcast or stand out in a bad way. But what I love most about Holly's platform is the recognition that unfiltered is perfect and imperfectly imperfect. So what are those unique traits that you have that you can be confident in? All right, y'all that's all. And we hope you will embrace your unique differences and love them about yourself and keep exploring your own self-worth. See you next time. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode. We love when you share your imperfect but impactful progress with us on social media. 
We've linked our Instagram, leadher.everyday, in the show notes so you can tag us. Make sure you don't miss the next episode. Hit subscribe to stay up to date. See you next time.